DEI budgets are under attack, but the goals haven't changed. Whether you're looking to increase your DEI knowledge, expand your market reach, or gain a competitive advantage in business, we have the solution. TDM Library is your single source for expert curated DEI resources, strategies, and solutions, all designed to help you transform your workplace culture and be a more effective contributor. For $9.99 per month, you get access to our searchable subscription-based digital library. There, you'll find articles, practical how-to guidebooks, podcasts, award-winning micro-videos, and more than 700 Q&As designed to help DEI practitioners, thought leaders, and executives create a more inclusive workplace. Whether you prefer to listen, watch, or read, we have the resources for you. TDM Library goes beyond the basics to dive deep into topics such as inclusive language, the business case for DEI, talent acquisition, and C-suite engagement. For less than the price of a sandwich, you get access to our library of more than a thousand pieces of original expert curated DEI content. Join today and get your first 30 days free. Get your library card now at tdmlibrary.thediversitymovement.com. You can't stop me, nothing's gonna stand in my way. Welcome to the Donald Thompson Podcast. I'm here with uh, my good friend, James Chapman, and James is the founder and CEO of Plain Sight. James, welcome aboard. Man, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. How are you today? I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well. A little bit uh, like most people, uh, a little tired of being inside all the time, but I'm happy, I'm healthy, and doing well. Thanks for asking. That's right. That's, right. Yeah, that's, that's most important, man. I'm glad to hear that. James, one of the things that I enjoy doing with our guests on the podcast is I want to give you some space to talk about you as an individual. Where are you from? Married, single, you have kids, where are you educated? Take a moment and just give us a little bit about James Chapman, the individual. Yeah, so um, I'm from Chattanooga, Tennessee, so I, I'll, I'll start there. I've been living in Detroit for uh, about four and a half years now. It'll be five years in May. And, you know, I never thought that I would be living in, in Detroit. Um, I always thought that I would probably just be living, you know, in Chattanooga or, or somewhere close to it because all of my family, you know, is, is also born and raised in the city. Not married, no kids, um, girlfriend, dating, uh, grew up playing basketball, playing basketball ever since I was three years old. You know, I, I think that if you would have asked me when I was, you know, 17, 18 years old, what I was going to do with my life, I would have probably told you, you know, I'm going to the NBA. Uh, but, <laughs> but you know, hoop, hoop dreams deflate, you know, at, at some point and, you know, had to fi find a new path and, you know, always been kind of curious about problem solving and, and, and uh, you know, always been hustling and, and entrepreneurship ha has been something that, that's always fascinated me. So, you know, I, I think that that's what's been, you know, sticky for me. I, I think that I always, to, probably to the day that I leave, um, leave this world, be an entrepreneur that helps other entrepreneurs because, you know, that's something that, I, that I'm passionate about. So yeah, that's, that's a little bit about me. No, I appreciate it, man. And it's, it's good to, to, to hear, cause a lot of times former athletes, one of the things, and I take this, mine was on the football field. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of lessons that you can learn for business from being a competitive athlete, the teamwork, right. the toughness, the follow through in, in the terms competitiveness, of right, right. Yeah. The, the, the competing. That's exactly right. And so that that's a great segue into my my next question. 
as we we move into the creation and the foundation of plain sight. Mm. But before that, I want to give you some space to talk about why and how you fell into or became an entrepreneur. What yeah. were some of the pivot points that drove you into that as a career and as a calling? Yeah, yeah. So, man, like I remember as a kid, I used to take my toys to school when I was done playing with them and sell them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just just doing little stuff like that. And my mom got pissed about that. But, you know, I, I didn't even know that that was a form of entrepreneurship at, at that time. But, you know, it was. And I remember in college, I started touring around with selling shoes. You know, this is before some of the big, you know, companies like StockX and, and Goats and all this other stuff, you know, did the, did the flipping of the shoes. It was just like kind of like a little side hustle for me so I can have yep. somebody to take girls to the movies and, you know, stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I, I think I'd always been curious and, and dibbling and dabbling with, with entrepreneurship as a youth. But then I think the point where I decided to really take entrepreneurship seriously is when I felt like I had reached a ceiling in a job that I was working, right? So I actually, I'll back up a little bit more even before that, played college basketball, went on to play down in Mexico for a season, tried my hand at the NBA Development League, got cut after training camp. Uh, and I think that that's when I, when I stopped, you know, with, with ball and moved back home to Chattanooga. And I started working in workforce development. And, you know, while, while working in workforce, it taught me a lot, actually. I think that that's where I became an actual professional uh, and started learning about, you know, how to conduct myself in, in business and things of that nature. I started being really passionate about seeing people's growth within their own careers, you know, from working in workforce development. And so I ended up, after probably working, working within that organization for about four years or so, uh, decided that there's not more that I could do here within this place. You know, I was like, I, I can't move. There's not many more moves up. So at some point I got to move out and just decided to try my hand at, at business. And so I think that, you know, that's kind of been the evolution for me from going from, you know, just a, a snot nosed kid, you know, growing up in, in Chattanooga, Tennessee with hoop dreams into, you know, working in, in workforce to, to then becoming a, a, a full-time entrepreneur. Oh, that's phenomenal. I think we got the title of the podcast, though, From Hoop Dreams to Entrepreneurial Success. There yeah. it is. That's good. That's good stuff. Now, transition us to more specifically now, yeah. your firm, Plain Sight. Yeah. A lot of entrepreneurs or people that are thinking about starting their company have ideas. Yeah. But one of the things we like to share with people is how do you take that concept and then move it to that process of commercializing it you know, into a real company? I'd right. love to hear your thoughts on that from your, right. your perspective with Plain Sight. Right. I've, I've done some entrepreneurship training and things of that nature within my, my tenure and my career. And, you know, watching people go from idea to action is very interesting. You know, a lot of people have ideas. A lot of people have things that they're passionate about that they want to, you know, make their full time gig. Right. But it's, it's all of the little details in, in, in the middle that that matter most. And, you know, some of the things that I've realized from just being an entrepreneur and being somebody who studies entrepreneurship and being passionate about that growth process, you know, I've realized that once it's time to take that idea into action and, and, and start thinking about how you're going to make money, thinking about who your true competitors are, right? Think, and, and then also thinking about, are you the right person to run this business? That's when it starts to like, like drift off a little bit. You know what I'm saying? So like, 
you know, the, the first business that I started after workforce was actually an oil change business. It was an oil change delivery business and it started to have some success, but it didn't speak to my passions, right? And so I, I couldn't see myself doing it long term. I stopped getting excited, you know, waking up doing it and things of that nature. And so it, it'll become short lived if, if that's the case. So, you know, if, if, if anybody who, who's watching and listening that's, you know, trying their hand at entrepreneurship, I would say, one, make sure that you it's something that you care about, something that you're passionate about, something that you can wake up every day excited about, you know, solving that problem. And then two, really try to understand how you're going to be paid for solving that problem, right? Because at the end of the day, if you don't end up turning that thing into a business or, or trying to find some way to monetize it, it'll just be a hobby. And that's fine. You know, passion projects and hobbies, there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever, right? We all need those things, but it's a big difference between doing that and turning it into a business. And, and so I, I'll segue a little bit now into plain sight. I ended up, the, what gave me the idea for Plain Sight actually is because I started this co-working space for side hustlers. The space was open between the hours of 6 p.m. and midnight. And so, so I was always working on, on my stuff and people were coming to me saying like, yo, how did you get your business funded? You know, how do you, you know, put a business plan together? Things of that nature off of the oil change business. I started falling in love with their process and just realizing that people need human capital right? That's one of the biggest things that folks don't talk about that, that will make or break your success in your career, whether it's business or, or, or anything else, is how can you get connected to the right human capital that's going to allow you to have open doors so that you can be successful, so that you can learn, so that you can, you know, turn that idea into something sustainable. And so, you know, the number one question that people would ask me when they would come to the, to the nighttime space the space was dope, but they would say like, yo, who's in the space right now? Or who's going to be in the space tonight? Or can you help me get connected to somebody that does this or that? And that's when I really started to realize the power of human capital and then started becoming obsessed with how technology could better help leverage bridging the gap between people who have connections and people who don't. Oh, that's powerful. And, and I want to just restate the ending, right? people who have connections and people who don't. Because a friend of mine taught me early on in my career that your net worth is in your network, mm -hmm. right? So that mm -hmm. you can you can attach yourself to the people you need at the moment that can help you over that, that hurdle or question or door that you need open. That's and so right. that's, that's powerful in, in terms of that human capital. Now tell us a little bit about Plain Sight, the yeah. vision for that company, what it is, what it does, and, and, and why it matters to the world. Plainsight is a social platform for like-minded professionals and business people to get connected with one another in virtual and physical spaces, right? So I go back to the reason why I started it, what gave me the idea was when I was running that nighttime workspace. And so like, if you think about the places that you go, that says something about you. The people who were going to that nighttime workspace, they were side hustlers. They were working on that thing. And so they wanted to build to community within each other, right? People want to do business with people that they relate to, that they can understand, that they feel comfortable with, things of that nature. So that's what we're doing with Plain Sight is we're creating these spaces, whether they're virtual or physical, for people to be able to tap into, 
find people who are like-minded and be able to share resources, news, inspiration, whatever it is, so that you can get better connected to the human capital that's going to allow you to leverage that human capital so that you can have overall success with what you're doing. Now, is this a bootstrapped business? Do you have investors? Tell us a little bit about that journey to actually start scaling this opportunity. It started off with just me putting up my own money for a web app, getting it built with the company out in LA. From there, I started going around to different co-working spaces and telling the uh, co-working space managers that I would pay for lunch for their members if they'd be willing to test out the application. Uh, so we got a bunch of feedback from that, you know, just like buying uh, tacos and pizza for people. Uh, you <laughs> use that information, put it into a pitch deck, and then started to shop it around with investors so that we could get a mobile app built. I'm a non-technical founder. I've never written a line of code in my life. Um, so we had to find somebody to build that thing up from, from the ground up. We took on some investors to be able to do that. And to date, Plain Sight has raised a million dollars total for the venture. Oh, my gosh. A lot of good stuff there. I want to lean into the raise of a million dollars. Yeah. There's a small percentage of African-American-led firms yeah. that have reached that milestone in terms of investment capital. Why did you make it when others don't? Um, if I'm honest, it's because of the, the ability that I've had to leverage my own human capital, right? I tap into my contacts from my professional career, whether it be the work that I've been doing in Detroit, we're building Detroit Demo Day or the workspace, the people who I've met along the way who have bought into me that said like, okay, this is somebody that I believe in because I'm going to pause for a second. Whenever you're raising your initial like funding, they're betting on the jockey, not the horse, right? It, 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 it doesn't have a whole lot to do with what you're building because you're just getting started. So you haven't proven anything really yet, right? Like, so people are betting on you more than they're betting on the business. And again, that's why making meaningful connections with people and having a deep Rolodex and context is so important because if people can see that I've built business and doing you know, a number of different ways and I've proven myself as an operator, now I'm going to go to them saying, hey, I've got this business that I want to run. There's a market for it. There's a need for it. And I feel like I'm the best person to run that. Then people are going to be more inclined to say, all right, James, you know what? I'm willing to bet on you. So I honestly believe that I was able to raise that money from leveraging my, my contacts that I've built over a number of years. You know, I, I used to work for Rock Ventures, right? And so like learning the game, like it, it took me a while to just like learn venture and learn what it means to even be able to raise money because I've never done this before. And you don't know what you don't know. Um, and so long story less long to answer your question more directly. You know, I just made a number of different contacts, man, and, and I've never been shy about trying to meet somebody and, and build with them and, and, and build it in a, in a very uh, authentic way. Like if it was so transactional, if all of your relationships are just transactional relationships, that's not going to get it. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm willing to give to other people. And then at some point, my, my time is going to come around where I'm wanting to do something and people are willing to pour into me. And so that's the stuff that doesn't show up on paper, Donald. You know what I mean? But but that's how I've been able to do it. You know, one of the things when people talk about, uh, and we'll come back to plain sight a little bit more detail, but yeah. I want to hit a point you made about your networking and being willing to give and activate your network. Most people think about networking as a one-way street. What can I get? 
And even in our first meetings, we both shared with each other things we could do to support each other. We it did. A, it was a two-way street. And that is what I think some people miss on their journey to network is, is that they're easy and good at asking for. But what are they doing to deliver and to be a, a benefit or a resource to someone else? And right. then you have that network power, right, right, when you become that conduit. And so I wanted to share that because even in our experience together, we both had a 30-minute call. We talked about business, but we looked at ways that we could be a blessing to each other. That, that, that's right. And it came natural. Like, it wasn't forced. You know what I'm saying? Like, I told you what I was into. You told me what you were into. And I was like, you know what? Oh, I think I can tie a few threads for you, man, to help you out in what you're doing and expecting nothing in return. You know, and you didn't expect anything from me, but to try to get an understanding of, of what I was doing. Right. And and who knows, like two years from now, because we know that we're solid people willing to build and help each other. You may throw me an opportunity. I may throw you one just because I know. And so it's like, again, you can't duplicate an authentic, organic relationship. Now, take me into a little more detail on Plain Sight. You're mm-hmm. launching into the Raleigh, North Carolina area where, where I'm based, and, yeah. and I'm happy to help uh, push the message and, and share the narrative. But in your words, tell me why Plain Sight is valuable to business people, entrepreneurs, and, and why we should use your platform. Yeah, I mean, now more than ever, building community is critical. The coronavirus is a very serious thing. Uh, and it should be taken seriously, and we need to do everything that we can do to keep everybody safe. But we still have to build business, and we still have to be able to engage, and we still have to be able to grow. And so it, you as a business professional, if you're looking to grow and to connect and to meet new people so that you can expand your network, so that you can grow within your business, that's why Plainsight is going to be important. And there's other tools that are out there. LinkedIn is very great for like connecting with people who you've heard of or that you've come across or that you know already. So you add them to your network, et cetera, et cetera. And they've got a number of other different features. What we try to do is say, these are the things that you're interested in. There's other people out there that are interested in these same things and you need to find these communities and you need to build with them regardless if it's virtual or in person. We still have some physical spaces that are listed on the platform but we show you the clean and safety precautions of those spaces so that prior to arrival, you know what you're getting yourself into. And then once you check in, you can be social from a social distance. So we didn't create this platform for this pandemic that we're in, but in my honest opinion, and and I know I'm the CEO, so I've got a ton of sound bites in my back pocket that I can always use. But at the end of the day, like I honestly believe that we're probably more valuable now during this time where this whole virtual in-person stuff is a little bit in flux than when we were when we first started. We're trying to get people connected in fast-paced, high-density environments like the networking events, like the you know the, the, some of those in-person spaces. So that's why I think we're going to be able to help a lot of people right now. Now, let me see if I make sure I understand, and you correct me if I'm a little off off key. When comparing to LinkedIn as a networking site, yeah. you're actually trying to physically and or virtually bring people together so that that last mile of the relationship, not knowing who's available and what they do, but actually creating that active connectivity. You got it. You got it. We don't even show you names or profile pictures. We want you connecting based off of skills, interests, things that you're looking for, things that you want to do with people. So we ask you questions like, 
Are you looking to hire? Are you looking to fundraise? You know, are, are you looking to work remote? Like, what is it that you're looking to do? What type of people are you looking for? Are you looking for graphic designers? Are you looking for freelance writers? Like, who are the type of skills and interests that you're looking for? And then we try to curate your experiences in the platform and get you connected with those types of people. So, like, these are all strangers, but you have things in common with these people. And these are people that you want to get to know and grow your network with, right? It's just like walking into a networking event and not knowing anybody that's in the room but knowing that there's likely somebody in this room who can help you with your journey. That's plain sight. It's just within the net. That is awesome. When you think about your entrepreneurial journey, mm-hmm. what are some of the lessons learned that you would share with an emerging entrepreneur? I mean, where do I start, man? Like, I, I feel like if there was something that could, that I could have done wrong and broken and messed up, then I probably did it. You know what I'm saying? I've been a person, honestly, Donald, like through my career that I haven't been afraid to just like try something. And if it doesn't work, then whatever. And I'll learn from it. And I'll, I'll go in and try something else. Right. And I, I, I'll try to keep iterating until I get it right. And so, you know, that that trial and error approach, you know, can hurt a lot of times and sometimes can be costly. But, you know, I've learned some valuable things that's going to help me with future endeavors and hopefully be able to help other people. So one of those things I would say is whenever you're planning out your financials and you're doing your projections and you're trying to figure out how much money do I actually need to start and run this business? Whatever research you find and whatever analytics and data that you pull about those fundraisers and projections, go ahead and double that. Because there's things that you didn't think about. There's things that you left out. And what you don't want to do is put yourself in a bad position where you're undercapitalized. And now you don't have a way of getting to where you're trying to go, you know, not to no fault of your own, but outside of just not having the resources necessary to do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got in a pretty bad situation with being undercapitalized early in my career with another venture. You know, I just didn't know how much money that I needed to make this thing go. I didn't take into consideration paying myself, you know, like all sorts of things. And so, yeah, I would say, you know, that's that's probably the biggest one. Like it takes money to make money and you need to make sure that your I's are dotted and T's are crossed um, and then also give yourself enough cushion. And then also I would say. Don't do more than what you need to do. It's easy to fall in love with the bells and whistles and and, and think that I have to have it all right now. Ask yourself what you really need to serve one customer. What do you need to serve one customer today? And that's where you start. You know what I mean? Think big, but start small. And then get enough resources so that you can start small and then go from there. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of people, cash is king. And once you're out of cash, you're dead. And so make sure that, that you that you provide yourself with enough resources so that you put yourself in a position to even be successful. Hey, listen, that is wisdom and that's brilliance in a bottle. That's what that is. Thank because, you. because the thing about it is we can allow ourselves to have this view of entrepreneurship and the cocktail party coolness of it. Right. Right. But the missing ingredient is the commitment part and and the number of no's before you get a yes from an investor standpoint. Right. A lot of times people talk about their business, their idea, their experience. But what I've found in successful entrepreneurs is their temperament. Mm -hmm. Right. Through what lens do you view the failures you need to go through to get to the successes? 
That's right. Right. And and that temperament is is really, really important. When I've got that right, I've invested in firms or done things that have worked out well. Where I've got right. that wrong, it's like burning money in a parking lot. That's right. That's <laughs> right. That's right. Because because stuff's gonna happen. Like nobody planned for this pandemic, man. But but I honestly believe that the people who are going to be really successful and get to the other side of this thing once the world gets on the better side of COVID, whatever that's going to be, whatever. But I, I think that the people who, who are going to battle through this, especially the ones that are kind of early stages and that kind of stuff, they're just resilient. There's no other way around that. You have to have resilience to be able to, to get on the other side of, of something like this because it's hard. And anybody that goes out of business because of this, don't feel bad. You know, it's not your fault. This is something that you couldn't have planned for. But I will say, you got to you got to take your hat off to the people who are going to power through this, who are going to get on the other side, the ones who are going to pivot, the ones who are going to adjust, the ones who are going to adapt. You know, that that's that true resilience. And, and those are the types of people that you want to bet on, for sure. When I think about plain sight, and now I want you to take it even a little more granular, I'm going through the app store. I see your, your article where you were featured in WRL Tech. I heard about it from a friend. Talk me through when I download the app. What what am I doing? Yep. Right. Step by step. Yep. Right. Gotta now get access to these people and places and ventures. Yep. I, I would say the first thing is create a full profile. You know, we we can't connect you to people if we don't know anything about you. So make sure that you have a full profile. The second thing that I would say is find a space to check into. We now have virtual spaces that are listed that anybody can see no matter where they are, as well as some physical spaces, depending upon what cities that we're in. And, you know, the other thing is we launched this last October and we've had to make a lot of pivots and adjustments, too. So I would also say understand where we're going with this and be patient with us. Right. There, there's going to be a lot of value that we're going to be able to provide with this. And man, we have some pretty amazing opportunities that I, I would never imagine would have been 